You are listening to Daily Devotions with Pastor Robert Marsbach. We believe that these devotions will encourage and strengthen you. So tune in, connect, and be blessed. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Welcome to Live Devotions, and thank you for joining me today. Time to repent is the title of this devotion. And if you would open your Bible with me, if you happen to have one available, in other words, please just listen along. Go with me to Revelation chapter 2, and we'll start reading here at verse 18 of chapter 2 of Revelations. Jesus is writing through John the Beloved seven letters to the seven churches in Asia, as we read here in the Scripture. I believe each letter is for all time. And sure, there are prophetic messages that are specific to each and every one of our lives, as well as to the dispensations that are there. But I believe God is speaking through each letter to all of us because all God's word is yes and amen through Jesus. In other words, the Lord uses the scriptures to edify, exhort and comfort and help us and correct us and direct us. And today I want to speak to you about time to repent. You know, when you go on a journey somewhere, you don't just lock your steering wheel if you're in the car or your bicycle, motorbike, or whatever it is, you don't just lock it because then you get off target. You have to keep moving it to stay on target. Repentance, yes, is a turning, is what it means, a turning to God. And it's a very important part that needs to guard our hearts to stay on target. I, I, you know, for somebody to say, when you're a Christian, you never have to repent again, that is silly. That is silly to even say such a thing. No, we sometimes daily say, oh, no, Lord, no to those thoughts or no to that way of reacting. And in other words, no, I'm not going to go that direction. I'm going to go this direction. No, I'm not going to say that again. No, I'm not going to think that again. You see, that's a tender heart that stays in the right place with God constantly. And God looks for that in you and me, and He appreciates it when we keep a tender conscience and a tender heart. But listen to what Jesus is saying here to this church of Tyra, Tyra. To the angel, verse 18 of Revelations 2, of the church of Tyra, Tyra, write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. The flame of fire talks about the holy piercing eyes of the Lord Jesus, that he looks right through all the facade and outer out of facade and looks straight into our conscience, straight into our heart, straight into the marrow of our bones, into the initial inclination of our kidneys, of our inner motivation. And, and the bra- fine brass feet has to talk about that he stands as the judge to say, this is holy and right, this is not holy and right. And that's a very important responsibility for the high priest 
that he provides people discernment, a recognition, an acknowledgement between this is right and holy, this is not right, this is unholy. And that Jesus provides that inner consciousness as well as inner conviction. Consciousness and awareness, conviction, motivation, yes? And Jesus provides that in you and me. And he says, I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say and to the rest in Tyre Tower, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast to what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron and they shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel, as I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. You see, this terminology that the Lord Jesus Christ has, you can see, it's quite sharp. And I know that we don't always know how to respond to the sharpness because we haven't always learned how to recognize it when it does come from God, when there are many that maybe don't speak on His behalf because their own conscience is marred and their own faith has failed and they live in a spirit of condemnation and so in that condemnation they speak and bring people into a kind of conviction that doesn't come from the Holy Spirit, but comes from a soul that is darkened. And so to learn how to be able to hear this from Him who's holy, from Him who's righteous and just and true, and who will never bring correction outside of His own love and righteousness, it is important that we as the body of Christ in these days know how to recognize that voice that comes to bring conviction unto repentance and that the Lord is able to get a hold of you and me. God forbid that I would ever live in such a way that God cannot pierce the busyness of my life or 
the interactions of my relationship and get my attention. I pray every morning so that my heart may stay tender before Him. I read His Scripture so that my heart may stay tender before Him and that I may recognize that piercing spirit that comes to bring light where maybe darkness would like to interfere with my relationship with God and my convictions and my consciousness. And here Jesus says, listen, you are starting to open your hearts up to an influence that brings you into a way of living that is immoral and unclean and unholy. And you are allowing that to influence you. You see, because he said, he said, uh, he, he calls it here, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce. You see, there are always those things throughout the history of mankind that try to instruct us in a way that's not of God or to teach us ways that we should not even know, talk about or have anything to do with. And I think it's so important, dear friends, that today we do what Jesus says and have an ear to hear what His Spirit is saying. And when His Spirit comes to your heart and say, you're opening the door to something that you shouldn't open the door to. You're becoming familiar with something you shouldn't be familiar with. You're starting to listen to a voice that dulls your conscience and your senses to what's holy and unholy, what's right and what's not right. And that you can hear that and go, oh, and shut the door to it. And I don't go there. I don't go there. If people ask me, what do you think about it? I said, I don't touch it. I don't have anything to do with it. It's not the voice of the Savior to me. So I don't touch it, you see. And we need to have that kind of sensitivity. But okay, the second point I want you to see, how our Savior deals with people that are in the wrong place. He gave even this individual that was so deceptive and seductive time to repent. And you see, sometimes we don't know the difference between having a tender conscience and a strong conviction and tender mercies and forbearing goodness, long sufferance. And all of these are together part of the holy heavenly nature of our loving Father that though he brings a strong conviction of what's holy and not holy, what's right and not right, at the same time he gives a long-suffering mercy to grant people to repent and to turn away. And you see, I personally find this, I want to know this. I want to know this grace of my loving Heavenly Father. And I was reading through the book of Ezekiel and I find it a masterpiece of the mind of my father and the love of my father and the goodness of God as well as the sternness. I do want to know that sternness because I want that sternness to hold me back from any indifference or idleness that would give unholiness or uncleanness place in my heart. I, I don't want to have any indifference about it. I don't want to have any idleness. I want to have deep convictions. Amen. 
And I was reading here, and it says in Ezekiel chapter 6, verse 9, Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive, because, listen closely, I was crushed by their adulterous heart, which has departed from me, and by their eyes, which played the harlot after their idols. I read this. The Lord says, I was crushed by their adulterous heart, which departed from me. This is Ezekiel 6, verse 9. When I read this, I just sat down and wept before the Lord and said, Lord, I don't want to ever get lukewarm, indifferent, and idle about in my conscience, in my conviction, that I would start entertaining influences that would crush your loving heart towards me, grieve your loving heart towards me. And you see, I want to live in that love of my Heavenly Father day and night that Christ brings us into and keeps us in. And I don't want to have that kind of spirit that would just be indifferent. I, I read this scripture in my Amplified Bible one time in Hebrews, and oh my goodness, my heart was just overtaken. Uh, I mean, totally overtaken. Listen to this. It says in chapter 3 of Hebrews, Do not harden your hearts, in verse 8, as happened in the rebellion of Israel and their provocation and embitterment of me in the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers tried my patience and tested my forbearance and found eyes to their test and saw my works for 40 years. In other words, even though their heart wasn't true in love and, and affection with the Lord, He stayed faithful to them. He kept giving the fire by night and the cloud by day and the manna by morning and the water from the rock. You read this in Nehemiah chapter 9. He, he stayed loyal to them these 40 years, even though they tried him to the breaking point and crushed his heart with their wayward heart, with their wandering hearts in departing from the living God. And, and you know, dear friends, God would have us have a heart that loves him and a conscience that's tender towards him and sensitive to his will and loves to do his will and has that repentance that stays tender towards him, that turns away from whatever would to follow or, or, or shame us. In other words, where we just act like mere human beings instead of partakers of a divine nature, instead of those who have been qualified to share the inheritance of the saints in the light, Colossians 1.12 says, that we start acting like we're just mere human beings. It says in Ezekiel chapter 20, what you want to be just like the heathen will never 
happen, says the Lord. You are my people. Oh, how I love my heavenly Father's jealousy. How I love his jealousy. It says in the book of James, how in James chapter four, let me see if I could just grab it real quick here. (laughs) James chapter four. It says there in verse four, it says, uh, adulterers and adulterers, do you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Do you not think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit, the Holy Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, yearns jealously. That spirit in us, the Holy Spirit yearns jealousy to keep us in oneness with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and to keep us free from whatever would interfere with that oneness, whatever would draw us away, whatever would mar our conscience so that we can't perceive and recognize the love of God. It's time to repent is, I live in this timing of of a heart that's constantly by the Holy Spirit yearning in me with jealousy to stay one with my loving Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And I know this is a bit of an intercession, this devotion, but I think this is healthy for us. You know, to pull on your heartstrings and to say, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and take that love into your home and share it with your family as you sit down, as you rise up, as you lay down and put it on the door of your house and on the fence of, that gives access to your property that everybody knows and everybody can see it. Me and my house, we serve the Lord. You know, one scripture that's really helped me over the years in this area is Psalm 4, verse 2 and 3. This is a beautiful Psalm of David. It's not a very long Psalm, but I'm just gonna read to you verse two and verse three of Psalm four. How long, O you sons of man, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly, the Lord will hear when I call to him. Just those verses. The Holy Spirit just wrote them into my heart and into my mind. And every time I pray, they keep coming up in me as the Spirit is revealing the heart and the mind of the Father in me, that he yearns jealously in me, that I would not give my heart and my eyes to something that's worthless and that's empty. How long will you exchange my glory for shame? What is shame? The shame of our nudity, of our natural nature, our barren human nature where we're just mere human. No, we are to be clothed with the divine nature. Colossians 3 verse 12 and 13 talks about this and many other places. We're to be clothed with Christ 
We're to bear the nature of His character, His love, His goodness, that that's what people feel and see in us. And that we don't exchange that for the shame of our human nature. That's how it comes to me. And how do we cause that exchange between His glory and our earthly human nature? It's by loving worthlessness and seeking falsehood. You see, this is where maybe too many of us have become indifferent and are allowing influences and thoughts to come to us to make us more callous when it comes to a tender conscience and to a strong conviction to live to the praise and the glory of our loving Heavenly Father who bought us with the blood of Jesus to present us holy and without blame in His love. And where we become too worldly and where our great excitement is more for the things of this world. In the later 80s, or maybe just in the beginning of 1990, I was preaching in a church somewhere, I can't remember, somewhere in the United States, and the congregation was really unresponsive, completely unresponsive. I don't know, irresponsive? No, unresponsive. They didn't respond at all. I mean, really, as if what I was saying had no effect on them in any form or fashion. <clears throat> after, after the, uh, the service, uh, somebody took me to lunch at a restaurant <laughs> and I saw the minister and a large group of the people that were in the congregation go and eat and they were so responsive rejoicing over the food that gives no eternal life and does not transform the heart but only satisfies the belly. And I thought, wow, Lord, they have more pleasure in the passing things of this life than the eternal riches of glory. And, I, and that's a long time ago, but I just got reminded of it. If you have a greater enthusiasm for the natural things of this life than you do for the Lord, then that is what bruises the heart of our Savior and our God, because you show more love for the things of this world than you do for Him. And that's what I mean, it's time to repent. That's what I mean. And you see, God does give time for you and I to wake up to this. He gives time to repent of that, giving our passion for everything but Him, giving our love for everything but Him. He gives time. And this scripture here, I'll close with this devotion, is Romans chapter 2, verse 4 from the Passion Translation. And how I love this. Listen to this. Do the riches of His extraordinary kindness make you take Him for granted and despise Him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding He has been to you? Don't mistake His tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of His extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you to repentance. You know, Father, you've been so merciful 
when you show my heart, be wayward with you <laughs> and be more drawn to the things that defile me than to the things that sanctify me. And Father, you've been so forbearing with me. When you saw my heart again, be wayward by embracing things on television that would defile my heart and cause my conscience to be closed and not perceive you and recognize you. You've been so forbearing and long-suffering to wait on me and to keep drawing me and to keep yearning in me by your Holy Spirit so that you may bring me into that which sanctifies me, sets me apart unto you, where my conscience is full of the light of your life and perceives you and recognizes you and loves you and enjoys you and delights in you. And I don't have that gnawing, wanting feeling of the flesh tormenting me, but I have the satisfaction of the indwelling presence of your life and your love and your presence. Father, you've been so forbearing with me. Thank you for loving me and teaching me how to love you. Thank you for being so good to me. And I plead with you, let these thoughts come to you and let your affections afresh be set on the things above. Read Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. And have a good day. Amen. God bless you.